0: what is up everybody this is sports on the brain and i am your humble host mondo and today we are talking new york knickerbockers specifically the knicks kids who came back with a furious comeback in miami to trounce the heat and show us what the future holds tune day is in the house to bring it to you real so strap in and let's get it on Sunday morning coming down yeah yeah we recorded this Sunday morning so when you guys listen to this it was Sunday morning before the Detroit Knicks game and before the St. Peter's North Carolina game but that doesn't mean that you should not still follow like hit the follow the subscribe thingy button thing 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 here we come some good Knicks talk And now we're here. There you go. So uh so you so so you watched the game and I the, did not watch the game, I watched the second half.
1: Sorry, sorry. You watched yeah. the second
0: half of the next yes. game.
1: I did what it's you good. told me to do, which was to listen to the you know announcers at halftime to kind of see what they said about the first half, and then just watch the second half. And it was it was just like any other game, man, that third quarter. You know, when we had those tendencies when we just Not playing well, the ball's not moving, the other team builds that lead, and then it was like all of a sudden, late in the third quarter, you know, the young guys started to come in, and it was like the ball started to move, the defense has stepped up a little bit, and they just played hard, man. It was really good to see. I mean, what did you see when you saw it live? Well, I mean, it was kind of like you saw, like.
0: They kind of were just hanging in there. You know, they'd fall down by double digits, then they'd cut back. And then Obi was really, really kind of like help, helping. Kind of, He was kind of instrumental in them hanging around in, in the third quarter. And I was like, okay, they're going to kind of start cutting this down. And then, I don't know, what is it, 11 minutes into the 11 minutes uh, marking the fourth quarter, and we're down by 17 points. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's only so many times you could do this until you kind of run out of gas. Right. And, and they didn't. And it was it was really, really great to watch. I mean, I enjoyed the fact that they just didn't give up. You know, right. I think uh, it would have been such an, I mean, it would have been so easy to kind of mail it in because it wasn't like they were, you know, they were, uh, you know, that Miami was stinking and the, and the Knicks were just, you know, sucking it up. You know, the the, the Heat were were still playing pretty well. Yeah, and we they were just, fighting back. Yeah, we just we stepped up our game as opposed to the opponent's game dropping off. You know, and then you know people could argue, well, they, they weren't scoring. You outscored them. What was it like thirty eight to was it fifteen or something?
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: Some some crazy margin, but it was obviously the defensive intensity. I mean, with the way that the game is called nowadays, and you can barely barely even get close to somebody without a whistle blowing, you know, they did really, they did a really good job with their hands. I mean, they were super, they were super active. I mean, that steal by IQ Mm -hmm. was textbook. I mean, textbook, I mean, to play your man, play the lane and then get the ball out there. I mean, get your arm out there to, to intercept the ball. And then he just, you know, he was like, boom, he jumped into fourth gear right away. I mean, and he, uh, he was on his mind. He was, he was going to the basket. Um, and it was, uh, it was great. And you, you saw that from the other kids. You saw that with, uh,
1: yeah, with McBride, when he got Lowry like that and just took the ball and raced up the court. And that was a tough layup that he hit in order to score like that too. Oh yeah. I mean, there was like, was it like three people? (laughs) I mean, I I don't know even now how he got it
0: off. Yeah. I thought he was definitely gonna get fouled or even blocked and for him to be able to do that. But that's, that's another thing that they did. And, you know, we talked about this earlier in the season is that you just want to see them um take it to the basket. I mean, I, you know, w- w- in a league where you just kind of like you shoot threes all the time. And speaking of threes, I mean, that three, that
1: was it Grimes.
0: Yes. He hit <laughs> that from like, <laughs>
1: from like Steph Curry range. Right. You know? um, the great thing is that they're not hesitating with that shot either. It's like he gets it and he just raises confidently. And that's what you want to see.
0: I mean, yeah, let it go.
1: I mean, yeah. and, uh,
0: and, and they were, they were hitting on it, but they were, but it was a, It was a beautiful combination to watch because they were really active defensively. So they were forcing they were forcing the issue. They were taking it to the heat as opposed to sitting back and letting Miami kind of get into their sets, you know, and uh, and that obviously, you know, when we talked about it, you know, when you have like veterans on there. You know, you know, like 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 Butler and and Lowry and stuff like that. I mean, they 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 didn't look like they got shaken up. They were just getting played really really hard. Right. And and both of those dudes aren't whiners. I could respect that because I think the game was pretty physical. I, I like the fact that the the refs weren't calling everything. You know, they they called the obvious, but they let them play. But it wasn't like you know sloppy. And yeah, I just I just saw as the fourth quarter progressed, they just you know they they just stayed hot. But they kept up their defensive intensity. Yeah, and that was that that was the key because Miami was, you know, it was kept kept. You know, they were they were right there too. And I mean, listen, IQ six humongous free throws. Yeah, to to, to close out the game. I mean, that's you know, you miss
1: those. Um, you know,
0: yeah. we're not talking about a great comeback win, dude.
1: Just what we said the other night, man, with Randall and RJ missing those free throws in that other game. I, I forgot what it was where we lost, I think it was probably the Nets game. Um, when it was such so close of a game, and when your stars are missing them in the fourth quarter like that, you know, you expect them to hit them, and, and that's what superstars do, they make those money shots, and that's what the IQ is doing. Not to say that he's a, a superstar but the fact you like the fact that he steps up at the plate and in crunch time like that man he's just calmly nails all those free throws yeah I mean 20 20 points in the fourth quarter out of his 23
0: which is just that in itself is humongous but just to, to stand IQ for uh, for a minute you know besides hitting the clutch free throws two things that I'd really loved seeing and you tell me if this is what if this is I don't recall really seeing it that much earlier in the season but two two big things is one, um pushing the ball, Yes. I mean, I, I mean, you saw it from everybody. I think I just just kind of pushing pushing the ball, but the the biggest thing that I really enjoyed seeing, and this this makes you think about you know the, the as a point guard or at least he's a combo guard, right? yeah, and that he was orchestrating. I mean you saw him I mean he was constantly he was directing his exactly, players exactly exactly yeah. he was constantly he was telling pointing guys where to go pulling them up sending them down he, there was a constant constant uh uh, f- uh you know contact like uh, emotion and communication I mean that's what I mean uh, communications that he was just orchestrating and it was yeah. great to see there was so much movement away from the ball and that and that too I thought was such a such a key factor in that in that comeback win.
1: Yeah, and the growth in his game from this year to last year, especially at this time of the year, was last year he was just looking to shoot, right? Now, like you said, which I thought was key, was he was pushing the pace. Whether they scored and they were inbounding the ball, he was pushing the pace. Whether it was a defensive stop with the steal or rebound, he was pushing the pace. And what he was doing, too, was when we were on offense, and say the defense came back and they they basically you know got there before we could do anything, what he would do, would, like you said, was direct the team, look to drive and penetrate, and he wasn't settling for those three-point shots. And so that's what's going to make him a tough cover when the defense doesn't expect him to do the three-point shot or they expect him to drive, then he can step back and hit the three, and that's going to make him a dangerous player in this league. Yeah, I mean, if he can hit that three consistently because – <clears throat> the one
0: thing that he can do is he's a pretty good ball handler. Um, and you know, he still he does that thing that he he did as a rookie is he has that ability to to to, to dribble the ball and to penetrate and he gets the defender on his back. Yes, and he, you know, and, and he kind of slows down so he, he can create contact. So if he can I mean if his three-point range improves and he stays good at the line you know, and then having the ability to penetrate and this whole, if his growth as a facilitator, as an orchestrator um, continues to grow. I mean, we're still in the market for a stud point guard, but you he's, he can, he can play the one and the two.
1: Yeah. You know, know, he's never going to be your number one dominant point guard, but like you said, he has that flexibility that if you need be in this situation, especially with the second unit, he could run the point for you. And, just like RJ has certain things that he needed to do to take his game to the next level, the next thing for IQ is he's got to learn how to create more for others. And once he's able to do that, then that's going to open up his game tremendously, and he's going to be a really good hybrid um, combo guard for us.
0: Yeah, and and he's not a he's not a selfish player. You know, he's <laughs> he's not somebody that uh um that is always looking for his shot. You know, so right. if he can create and I think, you know, such a good thing about this, this game was you have all those kids and let's not forget about Jericho Sims and how good he was that he was there. Um, you know, you have all these kids on the floor and everyone is contributing. I mean, everyone is contributing on both, both ends of the court. Um, it gives you that confidence to distribute the ball, you know, yeah. and guys going where they need to go or guys coming to get the
1: ball. Um you saw and, a movement on that offense, right? They weren't stagnant. It no, wasn't like one guy was dribbling the ball and people were standing around. Just like,
0: <laughs> I mean, Julius is not on the floor, you know, and the ball doesn't start with him and stay with him. And, you know, Clyde made such a good point, you know, and, and I think it was, it was, it was said in kind of almost defense of, of Julius Randle because, you know, everybody like the, and I'm, you know, I'm not anti-Randall. I just think that, you know, his game is just... It's a difficult fit for the team and what we're trying to do and with the players that we have. And so, because when, when Randall gets the ball, the ball, he just hangs on to it for so long and he's he's bringing the ball up and he's pounding it into the paint. And like you said, everyone stands around. And I mean, that's pretty much what happens a lot of times when you have a superstar. You know, that's what happened when we had Melo. Right? Right. But... But that superstar then, the the other superstars in this league, like that guy in the Lakers, who I don't like, um, they still get the ball back to their teammates. The Mm -hmm. the ball doesn't just stay with them and die with them. And I think with, you know, Clyde had said, you know, when you don't have that superstar on the floor, you have to move the ball around. Because everybody has to contribute. No one's going to stand around and watch IQ you know, pound the ball for 15 seconds. Right. You know, right. And, the, and the same thing with the other guys on the floor. Everyone gets a chance to touch the ball. It's, you know, it's the old, old cliche. You know what? Just just let everybody touch the ball. Everybody wants to play, even if they don't take the shot. You yeah.
1: know, just let
0: the dude touch it and kick it
1: back. Dude, so I was thinking at the end of the game last night, I said, you know what? I think this organization needs to be forward thinking and not be like the regimes of the past that just reacted too late and was just trying to do something to save face. I think what this organization needs to do at the end of the season is trade Randall trade him while his value is high and his contract is not that bad. And you build around this youth and especially RJ. And depending upon what you can get back in return in terms of some type of a point guard, um, or however, I mean, I think the Leon and everybody in the organization has proven that they can draft well, uh, look at the last two drafts. We have a lot more talent on this team, and if they can make a trade, which we've been clamoring about for the last two years, if they can make this trade to Randall, just as Bill Belichick, you know what he does, right? He doesn't keep them to a certain point. He gets rid of them right past their prime and tries to get something in return. And you build around the youth of this team right now.
0: Yeah, and 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 then and with that, like Belichick, Belichick does, is and then you get complementary pieces. You get like the Taj Gibson's. And and you know and the Derrick Roses, you know whether those guys are even going to be here, but but players of that cal- caliber that are, you know, they're past their prime, but they fit into what you're doing. Right. And they're 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 not going to hinder the growth of the, of, of the of the young younger players. And so it's kind of like that the, that picture I had sent I tweeted uh, the other day. I don't know if you saw it. And they were showing you know the eight kids you know uh, on the Knicks. And you looked at it, and it's Quentin Grimes. It's Deuce McBride. It's IQ. It's RJ. It's Obi. It's um. It's Mitchell Robinson. It's um. What's his name? Uh, Cam Reddish, and then uh, Jericho Sims. Out of those eight guys, we drafted seven of them. Yeah, I mean, seven of those dudes, and and Cam Reddish is just as young as I mean. Out of all those guys, what is Obi the oldest? Is he twenty four? <laughs> right, right. So, so when you think about it, and Nick fans that are out there that are listening to this, that especially if you've been around for a while, will certainly agree: is how often do we draft and keep our players? How often do we draft well? And you know, to your point, I do give because there's been a lot of clamoring for, and including from from us that you know Leon Rose and the front office and worldwide have got to get something going. You know what, whether it's a trade or you know whether you're signing that free agent because you know we've had some questionable free agent signings obviously this year and um and we seemingly haven't been able to make that big splash trade but that being said, they have drafted well yes you know I you know from from what you could see now and and I still I mean the obviously we get an incomplete on cam reddish but I'm really excited to see what he can do next season I, I hope he's around I hope he's not traded you never know because to get something you got to give up something. Right. But, but I'm with you. I, I think that with this core here, instead of gutting the roster to get us a superstar point guard, get us a really good point guard. Get right. us a really really good point guard that can get all these cats involved and trade Randall because you're right. His trade value is high and on the right team, he's a beast. I mean, yeah. he's a beast for us at, at Knights. I mean, I mean he's he's he is a th- fantastic athlete and I think a tremendous basketball player. I just for the style of play that we want to go going forward. He just doesn't fit in it. That's all. Yeah. 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 You, Bottom want, line. yeah. you want a real point guard. I want someone, you know, he doesn't have to give me 24 points and 14 assists. Give me the 14 assists and give me 14 points. Don't nice. turn, don't turn the ball over. You know, don't be a, don't be a foul machine. Right. you know if you, if you can give me that and you're you're getting these players involved and you could teach them and everything like that I, that's what at this point right now and I think that's doable you know between the draft that we have coming up and w- with the asset of Randall um I'm really really interested to see what they're going to do because that I mean the fourth quarter was just
1: one quarter it's been a bad season it's been and a bad should... season but you know what though this past fourth quarter and throughout some of the games earlier in the year when these young kids get in the game They flashed. And so now it's like, all right, let's get them out there a little bit more. Let's see what they can do. And to get to your point about Randall, you know, trade him while he's hot. You know, some of the stats we talked about last week with him being one of only five players in the NBA that's averaging 24 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists a game. You know, other teams look at that and be like, you know what? We can use somebody like that. And if we can get a young point guard, because one of the things IQ said is that they love to push the pace, move the ball around, and they just they just want to fly up and down the court. And we need young kids. We have them right now, but we need honestly, and here's the question with Tibbs, a coach to coach that. And is Tibbs going to be that coach? Yeah, that's that, that that is that I think that is the big Big, big question
0: because I don't, I don't, I don't see Leon Rose and Wide West going anywhere this year. I mean, right, I, it, it, it wouldn't make any sense. It's not like they've completely crapped out, you know. So, the, yeah, the question is Tibbs. I mean, is is he going to be, you know, the guy that's going to be able to develop these these players? Because I don't want them to go out there and get a couple more veterans, and all of a sudden. You know, a couple of these kids are not playing or they're just kind of playing like these, you know, sparing minutes. I mean, it took Obi a while to be able to crack that rotation, you know, and and get some significant minutes. And once he did, he's putting up some pretty darn good numbers.
1: Yeah, I was getting ready to say that because – Last a couple weeks back, people were saying that we should have never drafted Obi based upon his production since he's been here, but he hasn't had that opportunity. And now he's getting that opportunity in his second year and he's showing that he can learn and improve. And you look at his numbers since he's been starting for Rando and it's like, whoa, could you imagine if he has more time out there and get some more experience? I mean,
0: that's, I mean, that's really it. I mean, you want to – just to talk about another sport, I mean, they, you know, you always talk about quarterbacks, quarterbacks, and then, you know, the the, the rule now is, well, you got to play the quarterback because the only way that he's going to learn is be able to play. You can only right. learn so much in practice. You can only learn so much watching on the sideline. And, yeah, with, with his opportunity to play and all these kids' opportunity to play. to play. And so I will give Thibodeau credit because he stayed with them in an, earlier in the season. I know it's a big trust factor, and I think this is one of the things that we probably both – like about Tibbs is that he's old school. You've got to earn his trust, and once you have him, then you're he's you're one of his guys, right? You know, and he's and he's gonna he's gonna stick with you, and he's gonna let you try to like play out of that slump and stuff. And I think that's something that Randall has not been able to develop with him. You know, so I I, I like the fact that he stuck with these kids like he hadn't in the past, and you see the fruit the fruits of that the fruits of that time and Obi. All these dudes, so Obi, when he gets into the open court, it, it, it's it's something like we haven't had in quite a while, you know, and uh, you go back to, I mean, shoot, I mean, it's, it's hard to think of the, of the guys that we've had in the past recently that could run the floor like these guys do, like they want to do. Like you just said, you know, IQ is like, we want to run. Right. Want to, dude, so let them run. I mean, we, we're, we're, we're in that league, you know, and, you know, with the three-pointers are there. You Know yeah. I mean, we have guys that could shoot them, it just has to become more consistent, right? You know, and listen, have- man, if yeah.
1: if Obi, just like they were saying last night, man, if Obi can start to become consistent with that three point game, it's gonna open up his game so much more as well. And he's he's starting to hit it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know do you, know, the- do you
1: know why hmm. he's getting playing time?
0: Exactly. It, you have more confidence, <laughs> you know that you know what. If I go out there and I miss a couple shots, I'm not done for the night, you know. So you can kind of probably relax a little bit. And I think Obi is one of those players. You know, he's not a guy that I don't want him out on the perimeter, you know, and then kind of trying to put the ball on the floor and take it to the hole all the right. time. I mean, he's, I mean, I, I, you know, I want them all to be able to hit the three, but you know, he's kind of like one of those guys. You want to get them in the open floor. You want to get them running. You know, yeah. and those guys that enjoy doing it, you know, you have him, Jericho Sims and Mitchell Robinson. You know, it's it's the same story. You know, a big man will get up and down the court if you're going to feed him the wall, you know, and we have the guys that can play way above the rim. And just to, you know, talk about, you know, big guy and a young guy. I mean, Jericho Sims, you know, we, we haven't seen much of him t- so that you can be like, yeah, he's going to be this or he's going to be that. But from what we've seen from him. I love it. I love the way that he plays, his energy. He's got a pretty chill demeanor to him too. He doesn't seem like the stage is too big. No. Nope. He doesn't get in, he doesn't get intimidated. And he's played against some of the big superstar big men in the league and done a pretty good job. Certainly not getting pushed
1: around. And no. uh, I like his game. I, I mean I yeah. like to
0: see what he's gonna do.
1: And you know what? He makes that occasional rookie mistake, bad foul and stuff like that. But his overall play, I mean, he's got to learn. So he's got to be out on the court just like everybody else. And that's why, look, Obi proved that he can shoot the three-pointer when he was out in the summer league, right? And so what happens? He comes back, they start practicing and they're playing now. And since he's not getting the minutes, his his uh, three points aren't money like they were in Vegas. And so just get him out there let him flow and let him get into his dunks and stuff like that and the next thing you know you hit him for a wide open three in the corner hey he's he's at another level and it's like hmm maybe we did the right thing in drafting him yeah i mean <clears throat> and we
0: live in this we live in the day and age where if you're a first round pick you're a lottery pick you've got to prove it you've got to show out your first year right and you know and the, the guys that show out in their first year Usually wind up being on the right time, right team, in the right system, the right coach, and have that opportunity to flourish. Whereas you know, you're usually when you're a lottery pick, you're going to a bad team, you know, and that's not always you know, and so you're not necessarily getting the chance, or you're not really on a good team, so you're not in a a particularly good system. And you know, he he's had a little opportunity to grow, and if he can if he can progress the way that RJ has, and even though RJ's had you know his his shooting percentage and free throws recently have leave a lot to be desired but i'm not worried that that's the way that he is and that's the way he's going to be right you know i i think that an off season and and of just kind of like focusing and
1: working hard on those things those things are going to clear themselves up well listen man, yeah prior to the last couple of games man rj said was on a roll and so it's going to be like that man there'll be times where you're going to be in roll, you're going to be on a roll for like seven or eight games you know and other times you have going to have a game maybe two or three where you're not scoring as much, but that's when you got to learn how to affect it in other ways, you know, defense and and uh, passing the ball to your teammates. Well,
0: listen, you know what, let me, let me ask you a question about that because it's kind of like, well, so, because RJ is obviously, RJ is a starter. He's 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 in the rotation. He is a a foundational piece. We are going to be building with him and around RJ. So he's a starter. So give me your thoughts. I'm interested in this because, you know, the kids that we're playing, right, you know, we, we talk about how, you know they've been great it's the second unit so the mm-hmm. second unit has been able to pick up the first unit but a lot of them have been thrust into either starters roles or starters minutes and you know like on the game against Miami i mean they 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 were they might as well have been the starters cuz they're, they're the ones that essentially closed it out out of yes. those kids that you're seeing who could you who do you see as somebody who would be vying for a starting position on the team next year and then who do you say you know what? I think he's definitely going to be coming off the bench. Not that that's a bad thing, right? But do you see somebody who's a starter versus someone that should stay with that second unit? Ooh, it's tough because, like you said, we have Tibbs as our head coach, and so you know, take him out of the equation for a second. Just say, right. like you're you're the coach. You know, right. who do you, who do who do you see?
1: I honestly, out of all of those kids, I would probably say definitely Quentin Grimes. You got to give him more of a starting role in this league right and so you got to figure out at that point if he's going to start then he what are you going to do with Fournier right Mm -hmm. so Fournier proved he can play in this league and he last couple months he's learned how to adjust to his role but out of the young kids I'd probably say definitely Quentin Grimes he's at that next level where if he's not starting he's one of the first guys coming off the bench right right um it all depends on what you're going to do with your center position. If you're going to trade a Mitchell Robinson, um, do you put Jericho Sims out there and let and you get a veteran center to back him up? And maybe we look at some some center out there, and you kind of hear about you know Turner from in, Indianapolis, where we can get a, a center to stretch the floor to hit the three point, but you rely on Sims to come in as your starter as a center next year. So he could potentially. But I think he still needs a lot to learn. But the biggest one I would say definitely is is Quentin Grimes, and you know I like IQ, but in terms of 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 starting at this point, that's tough. That's tough because he and I he and Quentin Grimes play the same position almost in a sense.
0: Yeah, I I I mean I pretty much agree with everything you just said, and I'll, I want I want to talk about the big man position in a second. But real quick, as far as IQ goes, I think his 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 demeanor. Is perfect for coming off the bench. Yes, because because he's like like the the great John Starks or or, or those players like you know Vinny the microwave. You he comes off and it's instant energy. Yes, I mean he he comes in with that second unit, and so he gets things going right out of the gate. So I could definitely see that, and I don't see it a problem like that because you have to have some depth, and you, your second unit is so important because you know starters nowadays are not playing forty minutes a game. Right, you know, you're, 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 just not. So I could definitely see that. And I, I, and Grimes has that same thing he, he, he just doesn't seem like, the, like it's too big of a stage for him.
1: No, it's three you know? and three and D he is a pure three and D guy, man. Yeah. And so I, I, I could definitely see
0: that and to slide to the big man point, cause that, that is also something true. Cause I think we're both in agreement that, um, we we would like to see Julius Randle go someplace else in the offseason and see what we can get back for him. Now, Mitchell Robinson is gonna be a, a free agent. And and I've loved everything that you've seen from Mitchell this year. He's taken that next step this year as well. You know, he's he's stayed healthy for the most part. He fills up the stat sheet and and he's and, and his stats aren't empty stats either. Right. I mean, I mean, he's, he's putting up 18 points a game, 15 rebounds. He's protecting the rim, and he's another one of those dudes that, I mean, with the with the right point guard. I mean, with IQ and the kids that are in there now. I mean, he's an alley-oop machine. Yep. You know. So, do you do do you try to keep Mitchell Robinson? You know, because just to the point that you said, and if you do, are you taking away the opportunity from Jericho Sims to develop? Or do you run a twin towers, you know, set sometimes? Or to your point, all right, listen, we'll do a sounding Trader. whatever you do with Mitchell Robinson, uh, you get yourself that veteran center that's going to complement Jericho Sims and not hinder his development. Because the big difference is obviously is you don't have to pay Jericho Sims right. this offseason. You're gonna have someone's gonna pay him, right. uh, Mitchell Robinson. So what would you do? What would you do? Once again, you being. Leon
1: Rose, you're the you know. Well, one, I, I would see what the market is dictating from a salary standpoint, right? How much money a team's actually throwing at him, and if it's something reasonable that we can still keep on the team, then I would kind of look at keeping on the team and actually, like you said, have Sims be the first center off off the bench. It's time to move on from Taj. You know, if if we ever keep Taj, then he's basically like the third forward and center getting off the floor. I think the, the New Orleans Noel experiment, that's done at this yeah. point, you know. And so if we can trade, release him, whatever you have to do. But I think if it's not too bad in terms of the contract and offers for Mitchell Robinson, I think we should try everything we should do to keep him. But if it's getting out of hand and it's too much money for us, then I definitely think we do a sign and trade with him. Yeah. I, I, yeah
0: once again, I, I, I agree. I, I don't want to... You know, I'm not going to pay Mitchell Robinson $30 million a year. You know, I'm just just not going to do it because we're going to have to figure out RJ, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. man, if I'm going to pay somebody, I don't I don't want to max out RJ either, but I see RJ being, once again, he's a foundational piece. Yes, he is. And you're going to have to pay him any – you're going to pay him now or you're going to pay him later. Later. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you pick which one. So, out of those two, I pick RJ and if he if he is Mitchell and listen if I'm Mitchell Robinson you got need to get what you can get you know because he could be injured next year and that might be it yeah. so i don't i don't blame him for trying to get whatever he can get and if, if it does kind of go out of our price range then to kind of go to that um you know that next plan of all right who do we get in here that will be able to not just be like a you know, a, a, a fill-in backup, but a, a quality starting center mm-hmm. that is not going to take away from the development of Jericho Sims. Because what I see with Jericho Sims is, I see Mitchell Robinson. You know, in in a lot of ways, and maybe except like I said, from a
1: shot blocking standpoint, I think.
0: I think from a shot blocking standpoint, I think from um, just just physically, he. I, I think that he's going to be a big. We talked about this before.
1: I think he's going to be a bigger dude too. He's th- a big dude. You see some of the pictures of him and you look at his arms when he's a yeah, rebound. He's got some big arms, man.
0: He's kind of like a Giannis. I'm not comparing him. I'm not saying he's Giannis, everybody out there. No, but just a body, t- body style and type, Right. And when you're, when you're that skilled and that active and being that big, once again, that's a difficult, difficult, and almost impossible to guard. Um, Cause you just don't have many guys that are that big and that, that athletic. So, I would like to definitely see what happens with that. And I hope we can find out, find a way to keep Mitchell or, you know, if you can find a short term friendly kind of contract, which which makes him tradable, but kind of satisfies his financial need right now. You know, if if he's going to, if he feels like he can roll the dice for another year or something, you know, but uh, I think we've got some, you know, we, we, we talk about it in the past. I mean, we still have a lot of assets and pieces, and I just don't want to see them gut this team. I, I have the same feeling with this team, a similar feeling to like the team we had when we had Gallinari out there, you Right. Know? and it was just before Mello, and it was a fun team to watch. Um, they weren't there yet, but you could see the potential, and you could see, like, Mello was there, and instead of being patient And getting him in the offseason or getting another player like that in the offseason, you know, you got the team and you got the superstar, but now he has nobody to play with. Right. And I want to see, I hope, I hope they stay, you know, stay on this track because I think that it's going to be, they're fun to watch, but even, even though that were five games, I think we're five games out of the 10 spot. I mean, with eight games to go or something, I mean, you it hasn't been like those seasons of the past which it's just doom and gloom. You're like man, we suck and I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. It's almost like man, we got we we were right there last year and we were expecting big things. It didn't work out for a variety of reasons, but you know, whereas, you know, the needle didn't go all the way to zero. It just kind of dipped down and it was like, "All right, well, we know what what we have to address. A lot of the same issues that we we're missing before. We've got to fix those things. And now we've actually, if you want to look at kind of like a, uh, I guess, a benefit to it is that because of our record and the, th- the situations, we've had an opportunity to see what we've got
1: with these young kids. Well, listen, today's game, including today's game, which is at 3.30, right? We have eight more games for the, before the end of the season, and we're what, four or five games out of the playing spot. And so what do you have to lose to let the young kids go out there and play? Right. And with Randall questionable for today's game, don't even think about starting him. Let Obi start again and, you know, see how the flow of the game comes in. And maybe you start putting these, subbing in these kids earlier than you normally would with just eight games left to go and see what happens. Yeah. I, I, I agree a thousand percent because like you said, I mean, with the Pistons today,
0: you know, I mean, they're going nowhere fast. But, you know, after that, we've got the Bulls coming up at the Garden. That's going to be a good game. You know, we've got the Hornets at the Garden. Good game. Cleveland at the Garden. Good game. So, all those three teams, back to back to back, are all playoff teams looking to solidify their seeding. Right. You know, so those – and they're all at home. So – let these kids play. Let them let 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 them bathe in the Garden lunacy. Because if they can have some big games there, that place is going to be rocking with those teams coming in. Yes. And then right after that, we've got a little pit stop with Orlando, and the next game are the Nets coming to the Garden. So <laughs> I would love to let the kids play their way out. There's no need to bring Randall back. And in, in fact, if anything, just just for strictly business purposes don't play him because you know what i don't want to have any chance of him injuring himself or making that quad or whatever or the core or whatever oh, all of a sudden something bad happens and now all of a sudden his trade value plummets in the last week of the season right you know just just strictly business wise so what if you bench him because of and you and he has an out it's an injury so if you bench him i mean what are you worried that he's gonna get pissed off at you or something? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just I just I just wouldn't. And I'd let these kids, like you said, I'd let them finish out the season. I would keep Obi in that starting lineup. And this is the best thing. We're, we're gonna be playing playoff teams to finish off the season, and they could really, really, really um end the season on a high note. Right. You know, if they can put they can put together a handful of wins against these good teams and maybe take out these teams that are just not that good and that are out of the playoffs like we are and and go into the offseason feeling good and having some healthy assets to trade. And, you know, it, it's good to have the problem of figuring out how do how do we keep these guys? Because we've got a lot of pieces that we want. How do we figure out to make them stay and fit? And who's going to be the one that's going to kind of like Orchestrated. Is it going to be Tibbs or is it going to be somebody else? And because you know what you got and you know, like, well, you know what, he's still a good fit or maybe he's not. And we'll see what might be, you know, the, the next step and hopefully the, the growth and evolution of the team.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting too. We're talking about such a young team and, you know, potentially trading to get a point guard that's young enough, you know, like we talked about a uh, Jalen Brunson or, or, uh, what is his name? Um, Co- Sexton Coxon. What's his name from Cleveland that is um, hurt right Is it now? Sexton? Sexton Collins, right? Uh, something like that. Something like that, right? So one of those point guards next year. But the other thing, too, is you hear about our um, the draft pick that we stashed in the European League who's playing right now? He's the, he's a point guard. Yeah, yeah. That kid, Jokas, Jokabatis or something? What, so, are they, what have they said about him? Well, he's playing right now in one of the hardest European leagues right now, and he's a point guard. So they're saying that, you know, he knows how to manage a game. He knows how to get the other guys involved in the game. Uh, he's not the greatest of scorers, but his, his shooting is improving. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what at, at what point they bring him aboard next year. And I think they're trying to get him to come to the summer league uh, to see how he performs. And then if he does well, maybe he comes to the Knicks next year as a understudy point guard to see how they can develop him for the future. Always, always looking at the glass, super half full.
0: And that's what I love. And, and the Knicks this year have, at least now at the second half of the season, have given us the opportunity to be able to do that. Because, you know, you mentioned somebody before and, you know, we don't... Need, Evan Fournier who everyone was killing by the time we got to the all-star break. And you were just kind of like, wow, this has been a complete disaster. And I still don't, I still think that if you can trade him in the off season, he's played well enough. He hasn't tanked. He hasn't given up. I give him credit. He has not let all the talk and everything like that. Um, kind of uh-huh. affect, you're uh, right. Affect his game. In fact, he's played much better in the second half. And I think that's a testament. I think that is a testament to, the coaching staff keeping these guys together. But I give the credit to this team because, you know, we've talked about this in the past. I and mean, this goes with any with any sports team is these guys, for the most part, seem to really enjoy playing with one another. Yeah. You know, you, you you get a pretty good sense that there's a good there's a good amount of chemistry here. You never know what goes on behind closed doors. I think if anything, once again, uh, I think if, you know, Julius Randle, I mean, if you if you remove him and that personality from that locker room, I don't th- I don't think the locker room suffers at all. In no, fact, it gets it gets better. Yeah, you know. So, you know, we've got we've had guys that have th- this team, as 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 disappointed as we are, is that we're not, you know, look looks like we're not in a position to make it, get into the playoffs to make a run. I give them a credit once again. The thing that we loved about them last year is that they did not give up. You know, they've shown a, they've shown a lot of grit. They've shown a lot of guts, you know, and I think for a team that plays in Madison Square Garden, you know, that's all we want. That's all right. we want from our team is, you know what, guys, play your tails off. Don't give up. Play hard. And we will we will stick with you because I'm sure you guys out there that if you're a diehard like Tune and I is, you're going to root for this team. You know, as far as having a losing record, I'm, I'm not going to bash these guys. I love these guys. You know, you you just, you know, you hope, you know, that next season the front office and the coaches do what they need to do to help these, these guys grow. And this team now take the next step that we were hoping that they were this year. But sometimes you know, you got, you take a step back and then maybe you take two steps forward.
1: Well, you know, I was just thinking about that. And we said that earlier in the season, but, you know, the Knicks of last year, outperformed and exceeded everybody's expectations. And with the roster that we had, you know, and the young players, you know, we were trying to figure out what was going on, and they just exceeded everybody's expectations. Got the number four seed last year, made the playoffs, and, you know, it was a great run. Traded away a couple players, drafted some new guys, and we said this earlier is the fact that, you know what, unfortunately sometimes you have to take a step back in order to grow. And maybe this year with a step back is really to take a look at what you have with these young guys, evaluate the veterans that you have, and then put forth a plan to say, you know what, these are going to be our core guys going forward. These guys are are valuable players, but maybe we need to go ahead and look at trading them to see what type of value that we can get in return so that we can build the team that we want to have going forward. And then next year, we see this young group. Now it's a matter of them getting another year under their belt, see the experience they have from the training they did in the summer, and next year is that year with the addition of a point guard and you know maybe another veteran or two because we're going to need those veterans out there, um, and especially with Derrick Rose, have him coming back next year as we take that step going forward that we expected us to do this year. I couldn't
0: have said it better myself, although I usually can. This time I can't. So I think that's a perfect way to kind of wrap wrap this session up. So uh, yeah, lot, lots of things to be excited about considering the record and everything else like that. Hopefully they'll finish off um, the rest of the schedule like they've played these past few games, um, and I, I certainly think that they can. I, I, I don't see why not. I, 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 I'm excited about uh, watching them play the rest of this way out, and then hopefully we'll be able to get a maybe we'll talk later on this week or something like that and talk a little bit more see so what see what comes up. But yeah, it's a uh, It may not be exactly what we wanted but um i think there's definitely that light at the end of the tunnel and it's it's a little bit brighter now than it was uh back in november
1: definitely there's hope i mean listen this team has talent it's obvious we have talent now it's a matter of putting a couple more pieces that we need the right pieces and then continue to develop it and you know what we're not next year away. We're a good two to three years away from really competing on an everyday basis year after year. And
0: that is the wise Toon day. The second most knowledgeable Nick fan on the planet Earth. And we will talk to you guys soon. So what do you got to say Tun?
1: Peace out. Love you. Talk to you next time.
0: Go New York. Go New York. Go. Go New York. Go New York. Go. Peace out. And it's breaking news. The Knicks and the Pistons game is over. The Knicks have won and Julius Randle played, which kind of kind of blew up my whole, whole Julius Randle not playing for the rest of the season, which obviously is not going to happen. But dag nabbit. Follow me on Twitter because we're going to be talking about this every day or every other day or this, then the other. I'm, I'm, I'm going to post things in the middle of the night. I'm just saying. So follow Twitter. Here, subscribe. You know what I'm doing. Boop, 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 boop. That's me pressing the button. Boop, 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 boop. And also, St. Peter's run to the championship has come to an end. They got crushed by uh, North Carolina. So, anyway, it was fun while it lasted. And that's why we love sports, isn't it? Another episode of Sports in the Brain in the books. And we have been talking New York Knickerbockers. And although, Nick fans, I feel it. This hasn't been the season that we have wanted it to be. But the future looks good. As long as the front office does what they're supposed to do, good things lie ahead. Check me out on Twitter, subscribe, and I'll see you guys soon. Maybe tomorrow or the next day or something like that. But anyway, as always, strap in and let's get it on.